Okay, welcome everyone. Um, so, uh, the, the style of this set of shirim on Thursday nights has been, the first part of the shir is a, is a hashkafa Indian. Uh, if people are still listening or coming, it's, I assume because you like that stuff. So today I want to do something, we've touched on it before, but I want to just explore it more uh, carefully, and Barichus, go through many of the yeshitas on the topic. There's a kliyokar in Parshish B'chukhoisai that uh, after the Torah promises great reward for the doing of mitzvahs, and the reward being that there'll be peace in the land, and there'll be abundant growth of fruit, and and crops will, and the rain will fall when it's supposed to, and the animals will have a blessing. And the Torah gives a litany of Gashmiyastika rewards for doing the mitzvahs. So the Kliyokar asked a question, which is, as we're going to just point out here, it's, it's really three questions. And he brings seven Mahalchen to answer these questions, but he doesn't, he doesn't differentiate between which Mahalchen is answering which questions. And plus, there's a little bit more to say on the topic, other than just those seven mahalchim. So, I'd like to break it down tonight. The, the question that the Kliyokar is dealing with there is, he's actually quoting it about now, is a three-part question. Question num- part number one is, the Torah repeatedly, we say it in Shema twice a day, and or three times a day, um, repeatedly, and many, many other times in the Torah, gives as the reward for mitzvahs physical abundance. Bracha uh, from Minashemayim as the reward for mitzvahs. L'chayro, schar mitzvah It's not the reward for mitzvahs. It's not physicality. Why does the Torah give that as the reward? Uh, kemat, uh, not kemat. Every single time it mentions a reward, it's a physical reward. That's not supposed to happen. That's question number one. Question number two is an extremely powerful question. Is the purpose of all of creation is for humans to get to Anam Hava, but the Torah never mentions Anam Hava. In no place does the Torah mention Anam Hava. It never says, and if you do this, you will have eternal bliss through uh, communion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's Ahmed Tzachem in Anam Hava. It never says such words. Um, that seems to be a glaring omission. I'll, it's not the topic of tonight's share, although we'll touch on it, but it also omits Mashiach, and it also admit, uh, omits Chesamesim. So three of the Ikri Amuna, Skar um, or at least uh, the, the Skar part of Skar um Mashiach, Chesamesim, are not said explicitly in the Torah. Yeah, there's Avada, there's Ramazim to it, but why should such basic information not be included in the Torah? Tonight we're going to focus on Olam Haba. Why is Olam Haba not in the Torah? And thirdly, assuming that there is a reward, even if we'll assume that there is a physical reward, but there's an Olam Haba too. So aside from the question of why don't you mention Olam Haba ever, why do you put the focus on the lesser of the two rewards, which is the physical reward, um, instead of on the stronger of those two rewards, which is the Olam Haba reward. So if there's a reason why there can, can be absolutely no mention of Olam Haba, so that question sort of falls away. 
But if, they, if there could be hints towards it, so, you know, there should always be like a wink and a nod. There's all this, but, you know, the other thing, which we can't say, that which shall not be mentioned, right, that's the, that, you know, that's the real thing. So, the Kliyotra brings down, again, seven Mahachim, and we'll add one in also, and, and we, we're going to try to split them up into schools of thought, let's say. The first school of thought is the it's not a reward school of thought. And that is most famously espoused by the Rambam. The Rambam says that when the Torah says all the physical goodness that will come, when one keeps the Torah, it's not because a person is being rewarded for what they do. Rather, the way it should be looked at is as an, Hashem is investing in the person. That means... Uh, a person has, has done what Hashem has asked them to do. He's living his life according to the program that Hashem has set out for him. So Hashem says, if you do like that, I will continue to make it possible for you to do that, and in fact to do it more. I'll give you more tools to be able to do it, whether that tool is charisma, whether that tool is money, whether that tool is free time, whether that tool is peace, whether that tool is health. But all these things will allow you to do that which you are trying to do without maniyas, without things getting in the way. And on the flip side, it's not just a one-way street that there's no reward. The punishment that is also not in this world. According to the Rambam, Schar Mitzvah by Hamalekha comes with a second thing, it seems. And that is, Oynish Mitzvah by Hamalekha, or Oynish Aver by Hamalekha. When a person gets an Oynish generally, Generally, there may be such a thing as, as kapara, which Hashem sends Yusurim as a kapara. But generally, when a person's life starts going downhill, when they, are, when they misbehave, it's not a punishment. It's Hashem just saying, I'm not going to give you a special hashkacha to protect you from these things um, if, you're not, if you're not doing your part. And if, uh, instead, the normal mikrah olam will happen. And the Mikra Olam is that Jews aren't supposed to exist. And we're not a nation that exists naturally. We came about through a miracle. Avram was an Akar, Sarah was an Akara. They had children in Israel. They soon had children. The stars, Avram looked and he saw that he was never going to have. So the world, in its physical manifestation, in its non-miraculous manifestation, rejects the existence of Jews. It, we're not built into the, to the system. We are an override on the system. And as long as the person has hashkocha from Hashem, so they're protected from the antivirus and the antibodies of the world that try to destroy them. And as soon as the person loses that hashkocha, so the world naturally attacks them and tries to reject them from the world. And a, a, a yid who doesn't have hashkocha is in a much more perilous state than a guy who doesn't have hashkocha. Because a guy, without special hashkocha, so he has, at least has hashkocha clothes, which keeps him in the world. Keeps him going, he's a cow. A Jew is not a cow. A Jew is a, is, a, is a virus. A Jew is something that doesn't belong here. And the main law, if he doesn't have special antibody, whatever, anti-antibodies, he doesn't have anything protecting him from the attacks of the world, he disappears. And, or either slowly or quickly. So, Azay is the Sheikh Saramah. So, the first kasha of why does the Torah promise rewards for mitzvahs in this world, the answer is it's not, it's not a promise of reward. It's a fact that when a person... Those who are supposed to, Hashem will help him continue doing what he's supposed to. 
the, the Bali Musr, uh, in the Ramam's formulation of it, the way I just said it over, the world is the etzem, let's so to speak, a hostile place. At least for Jews, it's a hostile place. Or it's close to hostile, it's at least half and half. And, and if you, if you um, do what's right, so that Hashem doesn't act of not reward, but of investment in you to give you that which will help you along that path. And, and if not, he just removes himself from it. And then what happens, happens, which is not good. The Bali Musr come with a, a different approach. The, the Volvo brings it down to Kirshan Kumish. They said the, 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 the marshal is, if someone's driving down the highway, so every few miles there's a rest stop, there's a scenic lookout, there's the things that you would expect to be on the, high, on the road. If a person then decides to take a detour, and they see a dirt path, where does this lead to? And they start driving down, and then they fall into a ditch, and now they have to get out of the car and bushwhack their way back to civilization. So first of all, they cut themselves, and they get thorns and everything, and also they don't find, um, there's no rest stops while you're bushwhacking through, you know, the thing on the side of Route 17, I don't know what's over there, but you're going through a swamp, and there's not going to be a full, uh, owls. Uh, no, sorry, you're not going to find a restaurant there. So, Zotta Balimosa, the world is a wonderful place. If a person stays on, the Torah is not something, it's not, let's, so to speak, like a special thing that bestows happiness. The world is a place of happiness. The world is a wonderful place. The Torah just tells you, it puts a line here and a line here. and says, if you stay in these lanes, all the happiness that exists naturally within the world, Hashem is a wonderful world, will hit you. It's the problem when you go, when you start doing Averis, the reason why bad things happen is not a punishment. It's because you've gone off, you, you, you moved out of the lane where the, the Shefa, Brocha, and Hatzlocha, and Geshmak, and all the good things in this world are coming, and you move them to a place which is not the way Hashem means for one to interact with the world. Um, there's a joke that they say, right? There's a, a guy, he had a very nervous wife. Not that anyone would know what that is, but she, whenever he would drive, she would always like, be nervous about where he is and what's happening. So she would listen to the radio and hear if, he, if there was a crash on the road that he just drives on. So one day... She hears that there's someone driving the wrong way on the highway that he drives on. So she calls him up right away, right? She says, watch out, there's a Meshuggah driving the wrong way on the highway. So he says, one Meshuggah? There's thousands of them. He's the Meshuggah driving the wrong way on the highway. Right? So um, when you drive the wrong way, it's not shot, oh, we're going to get you. We'll send cars after you. Traffic flows nicely in this direction, and all the good things in this direction become problems when you're going in the wrong way. When a person doesn't follow the Torah, so they're going against the grain of the way the world was made, which is to follow the Torah, and the male of bad things happen. So it's similar to the Rambam in that goodness is not a, the good that comes to you is not a reward, and the bad that comes to you is not a punishment. According to the Rambam's formulation, it seems that the good is, a, is an extra that's given to you, and the bad is more the default that happens if you don't get that extra good given to you. And according to the Musa, the good is the default, and the bad is what happens when you go off the track. That's the school that says it's not a reward. Now, there's another school that approaches the issue not discussing really whether it's a reward or not. Some of them seem to say, seem to be going with, yes, it's a reward. 
And we'll try to deal with that at the end, what happened to Scham Mitzvah HaMalaka. And some don't really address the point. What they're coming for is, if you could talk about Adam Haba, why talk about Adam Haza instead? If you could talk about Ruchnius, why talk about Hashemites? So, the, 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 Ibn Azar, let's say, is the first Mahalach that the Kliyaka brings down. It's an important Mahalach on its own without even answering this question. This is what he says is such an important Zach. He says the Torah is for all of Klal Yisrael. The Torah was not, is not for Yechidim. And anything that's going to be written in Torah has to be something that is applicable to everyone. There, there is no topic in Torah that is too deep, too philosophical, too obtuse, or too anything else for it to be understood by every person in class. Let's say everybody by Mitzvah, okay, not. Everybody by Mitzvah, girl, not. He says that the topic of Olam Haba is, is it's not understandable. We would say it's not understandable to anyone. His motion is, it's maybe one in a thousand who can even maybe begin to approach the topic of Olam Haba and to, to think about, to be able to think in terms that are totally divorced from all physicality. Because Olam Haba is not like anything we've experienced before. And L'cholopov is a person that has to have a really out-of-the-box type of head and the ability to think about thoughts that are totally unconnected to the world as we see it. He has to be like some like super science fiction writer, who comes up with these wacky new things that are like, where did that come from? That's not the average person. And therefore, if, if it would, the Torah would describe Adam Haba, it would be a closed book to almost everyone who learns the Torah. Those things are not written in the Torah. That's why Midas Chassid is not written in the Torah. That's why Chumras are, certain Chumras are not written in the Torah. Because if they're not for everybody, they don't go there. Now it's important to realize that that means anything you find in the Torah is for you. And there's, there's no Zach of the Zach of the Torah that's above my Madrega. If it was above your Madrega, it would have been left in Sifrei Musr, Sifrei Kabbalah, Sifrei Hasidus, Sifrei uh, Oivdin. But it, if it's in the Torah, it's for everybody. And Horayah, such an important topic, like Adam Hava, which is so important, is not there because. It's not something that everyone can understand. So therefore, the Torah instead puts its focus on a thing that everyone can understand, which is the reward in this world that you get. Uh, big grapes, when you do mitzvahs, okay, that anyone can hear, and therefore, that's what the Torah focuses on. The Chosel of Ovois and the Rambam say, um, they say like this, they say that it's, it, okay, they're not explaining why the Torah doesn't ever talk about al but why the Torah keeps harping on the Olam Haza as opposed to the Olam Haba, so that they say like this, they say that a person gets a spiritual reward for doing a spiritual act when a person is misdabek himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem said something, and you attach yourself to that, that that gives you an attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a Kiddush. That's exactly what you're doing. The fact that you get an Olam Haba for doing mitzvahs is Pasha. Relatively passionate, that that's what should happen. The Kiddush is that it's somehow this world becomes a, you will get a better this world when you do mitzvahs. Where there's no direct linkage between doing a mitzvah 
and having more rain, when you study it scientifically, that's not someplace in the, you know, when you draw the, and your fourth grader comes home and he's going to have to do a project on the, the water cycle. So doing mitzvahs is not in that water cycle. Maybe it should be. It would be a cute stuff to put in it. You're the type of guy who likes making statements. So then do it, Taka. Have a guy doing the mitzvah, you know, giving tzedakah. And that makes the water come up. Right? And yeah, it would be a cute statement. And, and the, it's true, the Torah is saying. But it's not the way it would be understood. So therefore, the Torah has to keep telling it to you that, yes, it does work that way. Even though it doesn't make sense, Alpi Teva, but there's a, a, there's a Mahalach Nisi, there's a, a Mahalach that Hashem works with Nisim, and that if you do mitzvahs, good happens in this world, and that's why the Torah points that out. Now, he seems to be saying, that seems to be pretty clearly saying, that it is a reward. Um, <clears throat> and it's a, it's a Kiddush that it happens. Um, so that's the Ramban and the Kavzavahs. The Kuzri says, that, and this is also an important thing to, to point out, it's something that I think in the Velt we've moved away from a little bit. Certainly in the, in the from Velt we moved away from it, probably because of how much it's used in the curative world. Um, he says that if you tell someone, if the, 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 the reason why the Torah is telling you that when you do good, you'll get good, is because it wants you to check out that relationship and it should be a suyua to your amuna in Yiddishkeit. That you look and you say, look, when Jews follow the Torah, they live happier lives. Even though there's no direct correlation with the Rambam said. So why does that happen? It must be because Hashem Taka runs the world. So Hashem wants you to use that as a proof. So what's he supposed to say? If you do good, you'll get Olam Haba. And who's going to tell me if that's true or not? I have no way of checking that. Only after I'm dead and it's too late. So Hashem says, no, I'm going to tell you how you can check it in this world. Look at how Jews live, and you'll see that they're happier people. Now, I, there are people who are maybe um, scared to try this, because they say, I don't know, I know a lot of unhappy Jews, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm going to have a problem with my money if I check it out. So luckily we have people who aren't scared, and they checked it out. It's true that Jews are not free of unhappiness. Um, it's also true that Jews don't practice Judaism fully, properly, and, and we don't have the base of English, and we don't have Karbonus, and a lot of things that would save us from a lot of unhappiness we are missing, so we're not doing full Judaism. But even with the small Judaism that we are doing, Lamaisa, we're much happier by every way of measuring happiness, just on self-reporting of happiness, on, on uh, consumption of drugs that deal with unhappiness, um, consumption of drugs in general, alcoholism, uh, stability in marriage, family stability, although there are certain social factors that um, keep our marriages generally together, even if they're not as happy as they could be. But hagufa, that's, that social factor is produced by a Torah's attitude towards divorce and the Torah's attitude towards other things. And, and it produ- if, you, if you hold that to my law, so then it's the Torah that's producing that. So again, uh, across the board, if, if you would like to see some of the numbers on it, so Lawrence Kellerman has a book, I believe it's Permission to Believe, and in it, in the back, he has an appendix with a, a large study, I think two of them, two studies, done 10 years apart, about happiness and religion, and where Orthodox Jews rate on that list of happiness. And it's not just the top, 
It's the top by crazy numbers. So we're supposed to use that, according to the Kuzri, that Hogufa is why Hashem wrote the Torah this way. It's so that we can use this piece of information to bolster our mood. The Rasadi Goyen says, um, this is the, the tarot that for us packs the least emotional punch, but it's, it, he holds it true, is at the time that the Torah was given, and not just the time the Torah was given, at the time the Torah was given, and for most of human history, the alternative to Judaism was paganism. Paganism means you have a trillion gods um, who are very human-like, and according to pagans, there's nothing really, there's not a real afterlife. The, the reward for doing mitzvahs, whatever they held their mitzvahs were, was that your crops grew. And that you're, you didn't get a, a, a swamp, and you didn't have a flood, and you didn't have a drought. And it was all about getting what you need in this world. So you come to the Jews, and you say, I want you to become my people, says Hashem. Okay, good. Fine. That's nice. But if I join them, I get my crops grow. What happens if I join you? So Hashem says, I'll, I'll, I take that upon myself too. As, as everything that they promised, you'll get if you come to me. So Hashem, so to speak, was tempting Yisrael away from what was the prevalent view of what happens when you serve a God. So he's saying, you get that too in Judaism. Now, uh, it, it, it is so foreign to us, this concept, because the two major religions of the world both believe in Olam Haba, Christianity, and Islam both believe in Olam Haba, a very, very similar type to the Olam uh, very different in some ways. But the idea that the person dies and the soul goes on and experiences an eternal Olam Haba. The Rambam writes that why did Hashem bring Christianity and Islam into the world? What do we need these things for? So he says it's a tremendous taiva, because when the Shev come, um, the Goyim will be much closer to being able to accept the Torah because they are already both familiar with many ideas. They all have it. Again, 4 billion people in the world have heard of the concept of a Messiah. They've heard of the concept of Al-Hama. They've heard about a Neshama. They've heard about Mitzvahs. They've heard about Averis. They've heard about all these concepts. They have certain things that are twisted about them. So when Mashiach comes, they'll say, oh, that part was a mistake. Okay, now we see the truth. But all the concepts will be familiar. If you come to a pagan, you come to a Buddhist, and you tell him, look, uh, you know, there's going to be, an, if you do mitzvahs, it's Olam Haba. He's like, what's Olam Haba? I'm searching for non-existence. I'm trying to just disappear from the world and become a nothing or whatever, open to everything and, and fully experiencing the world with the not, without, the, without myself getting in the way. So that's a totally different thing. He's trying to go in the opposite direction we're trying to go. And he's trying to, he's running away from pleasure. He holds pleasure as the, the root of all evil. And by us, that's the thing that we're striving for. So it's going to be a big U-turn for him. That's going to take a while until he gets there. Someone who is an atheist. So he'd say, you know, Mashiach is here and you get to attach to God. He's like, what's that? Big problem, big U-turn, right? And someone's a pagan. It's the worst of it. There's so many things. Everything is off by them. So, so Hashem, I don't know, he, he brought, brought the Goyim much closer. Yiddishkeit is unpalatable for them, it's too much. So Hashem gave them this watered-down version, which brings them closer, and then eventually they'll be able to be brought to Yiddishkeit. The, the Ikrim 
similar to Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Ibn Ezra, says that the Torah, again, is not written for individuals. Olam Haba, we have to realize, we have to realize, it's an extremely important thing to realize, that Mitzvah Sharon, the end of the first parak, pounds the point over and over again. There's not one Olam Haba, and everyone sits in it, some people a little closer to, you know, the, the fire, and some people a little further back. You know, some people have front row seats, and some people have back row seats. Every single person has a different Olam Haba. And, and over time, of Asad Lave, it will get to the point where it's so different that you don't see anyone else. It's just you and Hashem. And just you and Hashem all the time. And, and in order for the term to describe it, it would have to describe a 600,000 different Olam Habas. It could give just a very vague thing. There's such a thing as Olam Habas, you got to do it Hashem. But there's not much else to talk about than that, because any details are so different for every person. And the difference between two people who live their life exactly the same, except that computer story with the girl's wife, one of them said, look, there's the lady we can get Sadaka from. And the other one didn't raise their hand at the point. It's a different oil hammer. And there's nothing even to talk about. They're totally different, those oil hammers. So therefore, the Torah just spoke about the thing that Shavuot Nefesh. That you get big fruit and then it rains, happens to everyone. So therefore, the Torah spoke about that. Now, Lamaisa, all these Mahalchim, again, many of them seem to be saying a, a concept that there, is, that there is a reward in this world. What do we do with Schar Mitzvah So I think Kamen Zogin, either using what the Balamusa said or what the Rambam says, but uh, let's say with the Rambam. A person, the world is a semi-hostile place. And a person, in order to be protected from it, needs Siyat HaDishman. They need Hashkoch practice. They need Hashem to be watching over them actively, about them specifically. So they would hold, while we say schar mitzvah malaka, that means there's not an individual schar for individual acts of doing good in this world. That's saved for Allah. What there is, is that when a person does a lot of mitzvahs, it raises their level, and they get brought down upon themselves a greater hashkacha prophets. Hashem is more, and, and the Chavzah says this, Clearly, and, 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 and the, the Rambam says it as well, and the Rabban says it, Mamish, that the more a person interacts with Hashem, the more a person is Yachis, to Hashem as the runner of the world, so the more Hashem individually watches over him. And if we understand that the only thing saving me from all the problems of the world is that watching over me, so Mamel, it happens that, that as a reward, according to the way they're saying it, as a reward for doing mitzvahs, I am granted hashkav protest that, that gives me more of the good of the world and protects me from the negative of the world. That's how they would answer the question. We still haven't, we've left unanswered so far. Why Lamaisa why is Olam Haba never spoken about? It's not even as a hint, not even as a, just in a very broad way, say just, you should know there's such a thing. So we mentioned it earlier this year, two Mahalchim. One Mahalach was Rav Aaron's Mahalach. Rav Aaron Kotler says that the Torah, we know famously, is Taqo Baraisu The way that that's usually presented is that the Torah is a blueprint, 
Hashem looked in, put a brick here, okay, put a brick here, and he built the world to feel what the Torah says. The Kabbalah explained it, that's not, it, that's not the fullness of it. The, the, the correct way of looking at that, what it's talking about Rezabalama means, it's like a, project, a slide projector. You have the, the light shining out, and you slide this, the picture in, and whatever is on the slide projects onto the wall. The Torah is, the Hashem is the light, He's the energy, and the Torah is the slide. It doesn't just, that He looks here and builds over there. It directly causes the world to exist in the form that it's in. The Torah shapes, so to speak, the light of Hashem and, and results in this world. It's deeper than that too, but we'll leave it at that for now. Zotar of Arab, if the Torah would talk about Olam Haba, and you put that slide in front, so what would come out in the world? Olam Haba would come out in the world. And it wouldn't necessarily be everywhere, but it would be nicker Olam Haba in this world. And then we would not have a world, because there would be no Bechira, because if a person had a, the Kairas Ruach, if he had the smell of Olam Haba, he would go Meshuggah, and, and, and that would be the end of any, any other consideration of anything else. So therefore, Hashem couldn't write it openly in the Torah because then it would be open in the world. Of course, it's hidden in the Torah. And therefore, in this world, it's hidden too. And a person has the ability to tap into an experience of Olam Haba in this world, but not openly. You have to get to it. You have to dig to get to it. The, the, the experience that we refer to as Torah Shabbat Pat. When a person is oisik in the world that Hashem has made and brings it into him and digests it in the way Hashem intends, so then there's a, an experience of Ayun Haba that comes along with that. That was of Ayun's Mahalach. That would also explain why there's no Mashiach mentioned and why there's no Chisimais mentioned. Because if they were mentioned, they would already be here. They would already be a Mashiach in the world and they would already be Chisimais. The world, because the world is has to go in stages, so the things that are meant for a later stage are not written openly. I think we discussed that uh, more about this once. Mr. Shem will talk about it. Different one. The Shla, also we mentioned before, the Shla says that the Torah does talk about Alam Haba. Every time the Torah says, I will give you rain, it doesn't mean I'll give you physical rain. The Torah is telling you, I'll give you Alam Haba rain. Whatever rain represents in Alam Haba, that's what I'll give you. Now you say, why are you talking in Mishalom? So the Shalom explains, you're not talking the Shalom. The Torah is actually talking about Olam Haba. And the word to describe that thing in Olam Haba is Mater, is rain. But how is anyone supposed to know what that is? So Hashem gave you a Mashal. The Mashal is rain in this world. This world is the Mashal for Olam Haba. The, when we use the term rain here, it is, we're using it as a borrowed term. Hashem said, you see what this thing that we're going to call rain here does? It causes everything to grow. And, it, and it, 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 it hydrates. And it cleans. And it freshens. And it gives life to the world. That's what that thing mutter is. When I tell you that you'll get mutter if you keep the Torah in oil of Muhammad, that's what you'll get. Something that causes your whole life of oil of Muhammad to flower and to flourish. And to be cleansed and to be refreshed. It's really, it's not really talking about it. It's, it's directly talking about the thing in Olam Haba. But if it would say Bafustig, if it would use Olam Haba words, 
So we wouldn't know what it's talking about. So Hashem created counterparts in this world so we can get a sense of them and then understand what he's talking about when he says the psukim. But it actually is talking about Olam Abba, according to Shlom. There's, there's, a, there's another uh, Mahalach. In its fullness, it, it's, it, that's what the Hasidim hold, and the Balatanya, and, and Tanya says it sort of mefurish. Olam Habo, the Iker of Olam Habo is connecting Tasha. That happens in this world. That happens in our own It's we don't experience it, we, we don't recognize it when it happens during Oil Hazard because, because of what Oil Hazard has to be, so it's kept hidden from us, so to speak. But when, when a person connects to Oil to, um, when a person connects to Hashem, the, the Icar is, in other words, if Hashem would talk about Oil Haba, it, it's taking away from it, it makes it sound like it's something that's only for the future. The experience of it is in the future. But the real Olam Haba is the ability to do a mitzvah in this world. Hashem sent us here not as a Yerida. Hashem sent us to this, to this existence as a Yerida Yitzhak Aliyah. That when a person, by coming down into this world, although we move so far from where Hashem is, but we're given something, we're given Torah and mitzvahs. And by doing Torah and mitzvahs, a person connects in the deepest way possible to birth. And when a person is oisik by Torah and mitzvahs in this world, so they are connected to Hashem as deeply, if not more, than they will be in Olam Haba. They just don't experience it yet. But in the reality of what's happening to the Hashem at that time, they're as deeply connected to Hashem as you can ever be. So to talk about Olam Haba would downgrade what this world is. This world is Olam Haba. And all the good that Hashem talks about in this world and what He wants from us in this world, He's telling you Olam Haba. Yeah. And one day you'll feel it. Olam Haba too, but that's not important. As a final bow on the whole thing, we have to realize that the question, usually when it's asked by most people, comes from a shtickle or trefa source. Tershvapet is Mole the Goddish. It's all over the place in Tershvapet. It's clear as day. It's referenced and mentioned and spoken about. So what's the person's title when they say, how come the Torah never mentions Tershvapet? Uh, um, the Torah mentions it all over. It's because we have a sense that there's a Torah, that's like first class Torah. And then there's Tershvapet, like second class Torah. It's not so. Shabbos, pretty major thing. The reference to it, the Torah says it a hundred times, but it never says what it is. It doesn't say it how long it's of it. It's all Torah Shabbat. It's, it's a gigantic mountain held up by a hair. Torah Shabbat is not second class Torah. Torah Shabbat is first class Torah. And when the Torah was given, it was given together with a Torah Shalopet that talks about Olam Haba all the time. So how come, how come this was chosen to be put in Torah Shalopet and this was chosen to be put in Torah Shalopet? 
So to that, when we're trying to answer the questions, that's what they're trying to answer. Why wasn't some aspect of it put in the Torah Shavu'ah? Not because if it wasn't, there's something really wrong. What do you mean it's a Torah Shavu'ah? That's fine. That was given at the time of Harsinai with everything else. The Jews did not go through a period where they thought, maybe there's no other Mahabha. And then they had a, oh, oh, finally we got Torah Shavu'ah. Oh, now we know there is another Mahabha. On the day that the Torah was given, Arun Habu was taught in Torah Shavu'ah. Well, how come it's not in Torah Shavu'ah? Tarshav is the business contract between Klai Yisrael and Hashem. Hashem says, this is what I want from you. It's not Yiddishkai. Yiddishkai is Tarshav Iksav and Tarshav Alpeh, Be'ikr Tarshav The Neshama of Yiddishkai and all that its, its richness and the details of where the emphasis should be put is all Tarshav Alpeh. Tarshav is a contract. It says here, here's what you have to do. More described, less described, but this is the general idea of what you have to do. If, if Olam Haba would be in the contract, it would mean that a person is supposed to sit down and when they do it, it's to say, I am doing this in order to get schah. Because it's in, the, it's in the work part of the contract. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get schah. So a person would have to do that. We know that that's not, that's not the way it is. A person, although they get schah, the kavon is not supposed to be for schah. So when Hashem gives us the work contract, He leaves out all these details that don't have to do with the work. Mashiach doesn't have to do with the work. It's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an important Indian. It's an Ikra Amunah. Of course it's going to happen. And the world makes no sense without a Mashiach. But it's not part of our job. Right? Um, the idea of bringing Mashiach is a very complex idea. What it's supposed to mean. Right, someone once came to Rebelska, I mentioned this before, right, he, he said, he has good rights, that Mashiach is right around the corner, so Rebelska said, I hear you right, he said, you're right, he is, what should we do? So he said, we have to get ready. So he says, how do we get ready? So he says, we have to start doing mitzvah, he says, okay, that's what I do. Right? <laughs> so, so, is an Indian of having, bringing Mashiach in mind a little bit, and focusing on certain points in order to bring Mashiach but basically, bringing uh, the Mashiach itself, that's Hashem's business. It's, it's part of Hashem's business. That's Hashem's business. That's Hashem's business. What we have to know, that, what we have to do, that's in Tarshim itself. What we have to know is in Tarshim Okay, I'm kind of this section. Whoa, okay. <laughs> um, uh, a little bit of a... I just thought Dama to Shavuos Mitzvah next week. We'll talk about Shavuos more about Rishos. Um, we know that Klai Yisrael said Na Seven Nishma, and this was considered to be a, a tremendous um, zach for Klai Yisrael. So uh, again, my shita about Svasemes is you say this is what I thought of while looking at the Svasemes. While looking at the Svasemes, I think this is what he means, but uh, there's no guarantees. I think he says like this. He says, the Pesach says, Li'oilam Hashem d'recha b'ashemayim. Literally translated, we would say, the words of Hashem are always in Shemayim. He explains, whenever Hashem does something, it's Li'oilam. It's not like a one-time thing. So when Hashem speaks, the words, so to speak, hang in the air forever. And they're always available to be tapped into. That means the giving of the Torah as it was given on Sinai, is always there and available to be tapped into. But what is the, the concept of speech? What, what function does speech serve? 
right? Uh, sometimes my son has machlekes in his class about various unimportant things. So one of them they were having about is certain words. Um, uh, yeshivish. Um, what's another one? Harry. When you call someone a Harry. What is a Harry? So amongst the arguments that he makes, when he talks about it, is that the point of words is to get my idea from my head into your head. So I use speech to convey what's inside of me into inside of you. If we don't use the words the same way, everyone uses their own definition of Yeshiva and Harry, so not only don't we know what we're talking about, it cannot be described as speech. You're not talking. You're making noise. If the words don't convey what you're trying to convey, it's noise, not speech. What we say to Hashem is medaber. So obviously Hashem doesn't physically speak. What does the concept mean? It means Hashem reveals Himself from a hidden place into the world. That's deeper. Hashem created the world by asara ma'amores. That means there were ten separate acts of revelation of Hashem of an aspect that He wanted to reveal into the world. This is who I want. This is how I want you to see me. This is how I want you to see me. Ten separate times. What does Shmiya represent? When you hear the Devar Hashem, that means, we spoke last week, this word, um, Shmiya represents, uh, Shmiya is not a process like the ear where you see the thing and that's the way it is. In Shmiya, you hear it in pieces. If you say the whole shir in one big blast of noise, no one can hear anything. Um, it has to come in pieces. You hear the pieces in your head and then your brain puts them back together into what, they, what they're saying. It's a, you take in what's being given, you process it within yourself, and make sense out of it. So, being Shemaya the Devar Hashem doesn't just mean listening to words that Hashem produced. It means taking the fact that there's Hashem in the world, taking the revelation of Hashem, and bringing it into yourself, and letting it sit in there, and work its magic within you, and becoming a person who is filled with the sense that there's Hashem in the world. That's Shemir Hashem. What happened when Hashem was Medaber the Aseris, the, the Asorma Moros? He spoke ten revelations in the world. So they became revealed in the world. That's how it happens. Hashem says it. Oimar Vayel. Hashem says it and it is. That's the way it goes. However, there's one thing in, in, in all of creation that's not that way. And that is a mitzvah. A mitzvah is clearly the way Hashem wants to be expressed into the world. It's, his, it's the Ratzon HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's His Maimer, but it's Bashemayim. Dvar Hashem Bashemayim. It doesn't come down to this world. It stays in the, in the Himmel. How does it get down into this world to be able to be heard? How can you do a Shmi on a word that's up there? The Terence is, Ayyadeh Maisa. When a person does the mitzvah, so they become the vehicle that takes the, the, the rotzen Hashem, the dvash, the expression of Hashem's rotzen, and brings it actively into the world. At which point they can do a shmir. They can now take that revelation, see that, and bring it in and let it work on them. Before the act is done, if a person just says, I'm going to think about the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs of Hashemayim, you can think all you want, they're not going to do what they have to do on it. Again, Hashem made a little shortcut because thinking about the mitzvahs is an act called Limitar. But, if it wasn't, then it wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't probably It's Bashamayim. So, Zokla Yisrael, Nasev and First, we will do 
We will bring down the, the mimer of Hashem into this world through action. By doing the mitzvah, we bring it here. And then, nishma, it can become a part of us and become who we are. Sometimes we look at Yiddishkeit, the Torah, and it feels so removed from us. It feels so not who we are. It's just, it's just there, but we say, how will we ever become a real Yid? How is this ever going to change me into what Hashem wants me to be? But we have to realize that that's because we're looking at it from the outside. We're looking at what's it's in Shemayim. How, you want to make it a part of yourself? Nasa. Do it, and then Nishma. You'll hear it. Once you do it, it will have the Koyach of, of, of Shmiya, and it will become a part of who you are, and transform you.